do you know what the zoomies are? If you have a cat or you know of someone who has, then you may be familiar with the term. It usually indicates a, a state in which the cat all of a sudden jumps up and starts running around, starts racing through the house, and there seems to be no particular rhyme or reason for it. It's just a release of energy. And especially with house cats that don't get to go outside that much, it is very natural behavior because a cat, of course, originally is supposed to be outside and constantly hunting or hiding or running around and jumping on things. And if your cat lives inside a house, then it doesn't have that much uh, the opportunity to release that energy. And so that is why sometimes cats will get the zoomies. And it usually takes a while before the cat finally has, has used up all that energy and starts calming down. Well, I think this past week I had a case of the zoomies. It's this sudden urge to go do stuff and run around and move things and, and, and work on, on projects with a ton of energy that I normally don't really have. And also to all of a sudden start doing things that I may have postponed for sometimes years because life just gets in the way and I don't have time for it. So in my case, I think that it is linked to the fact that I'm still on vacation or more or less on vacation. It's uh, summer holidays, even though you wouldn't be able to tell because it's, as you can tell, as you can hear, it's raining and it's rather cold here in the Netherlands. I'm not complaining because in large parts of the world it is incredibly hot and even dangerously hot. Um, but nevertheless, the schools are closed and parish life is quite kind of calm. And maybe also because of the fact that it's so hot everywhere in the world, even on the internet where I usually do most of my work, it seems to be a bit calmer. And so I have a little bit more room in my life to um, dedicate my energy to projects that I've not been able to pursue for a long time. More in particular, this last week, I've been moving around furniture. This is something that I am very familiar with. Uh, it, it is something that happens usually every two or three years where I get the zoomies and I just want to move around furniture. I want to put them in a different order, different place. I want to uh, change up the, the living room. I'm, I'm moving tables and chairs. In this case, I'm very happy with my living room and I don't really need to make any changes. I think anything I would change there is only going to make it worse. But I still was not entirely satisfied with the, the way I had um, arranged my studio upstairs. So on the first floor of my rectory, the room that's all the way in the back of the hallway is the largest room upstairs. And I've been using that room to, uh, to edit. So my computer is there to stream. If you've ever seen my live streams on YouTube or on Facebook, 
it's always or it, most of the time it is filmed there there was a short time where I was streaming from a very small room which is currently my bedroom although if my zoomies continue I may actually change that as well because it's it's very small so I always feel that that um halfway through the night I have the urge to open a window or to open the door because it just feels so confined and that used to be a small um office but uh most of the time most, most of the media work I was doing in that big room at the end of the of the hallway um so if you would enter the room on the left would be uh, a, a large wall with bookshelves, uh, bookcases that I bought years and years ago at Ikea. They're in a color that is no longer available and I had a desk in the same color and some uh, um, some drawers. So it is all... I can't really uh, combine it with anything else that I have so it felt logical to put it all in the same room so you would get uh, kind of a uh, an even... Um, color distribution <laughs> but the thing is if you so I would have these four bookcases and then in opposite of that I would have a, a my desk with a big widescreen monitor that I use for editing and then over time I'd experimented quite a bit with where do I put the cameras and usually they were on tripods um, which is um, of course, a very sturdy solution, but a, a tripod takes up a lot of space. And now that I also want to add more professional lighting, I need to get all those cables and tripods off the ground as much as possible. So I found some solutions to mount the camera on a small arm on the desk itself. And the desk can move up and down. And then on the other side of the, of the room, if you, so if you enter this rectangular room, you go to the right... Um, there was a television and a chair and a fake um, chimney or a fake uh, hearth so uh, in the winter feels like a cozy place where you can sit and that was usually where I would play video games I hooked up uh, TV to my Xbox and since my PC is getting older and older and doesn't run a lot of the current games anymore instead I play the current generation type of games on on the Xbox and it was a really nice place to sit and finally helped me to um, to play games that were not available on the PC and some of which have been on my to-do list for a long time uh, many gamers have what we call a backlog of games so games that we bought usually when they're on sale and we feel like we can't resist but we underestimate the actual time that we have to play those games but thanks to that whole situation there where I could just sit and uh, usually I, I do that around lunchtime so after having eaten a sandwich I would just take a half an hour and sit down in front of that TV and, and play a bit of a video game so that became really part of a of my of my routine and it's something that i i've never really done before it's different it's a very different experience from gaming in front of a pc where you're sitting at a desk and so that feels very much and i'm using the same monitor as i use for working so it, that kind of feels more like my usual 
kind of work situation. It's not as relaxed as sitting in a lazy chair and then just using a controller to play the video games. But there was, uh, there was one issue that I had. It just didn't look very good on camera. Uh, and since my, my work is shifting more and more towards uh, YouTube and trying to connect with people over um, worlds like Star Wars or anime or Lego, um, I also have to measure up the, what the competition is doing. And if I uh, look at what my fellow YouTubers uh, produce in terms of image quality and uh, the, the way their whole lighting setup and the, the background looks, I felt that I was underperforming. And uh, this is something that was kind of born out of necessity. I felt like this is the best I can do with the current disposition of the furniture in my room and well I, I just don't have the budget to go and repaint my room and get new furniture and um, so I'll have to make do with what I have even though it's all a bit old and uh, it, it's in a color that is not not ideal for for um, for streaming um, and another thing is you, you often like to have some what they call accent lights in the background, where you put a, a small um, light, or sometimes you use fairy lights, and since the background is usually a little bit out of focus, a bit blurry, that gives a bit of sparkle, makes the background look much more interesting. The thing is, but with the, the bookcases that I have, they are at least 10 years old, probably even older, um, they don't have any provision for electronics. This is way before people would put other things than books in their in their bookcases. Whereas nowadays, people use bookcases for, well, maybe still a few books, but mostly it's just accessorized, and they put like um, their their home pod in there, their um, you know home automation system, or maybe some speakers. And most, if not all, of the of the newer bookcases have um, like holes where you can uh, lead the electricity wires through. And so, but these cases don't have that. And so the whole thing, the, the, the only way for me to, to light it up a bit in the background is to place some, some lamps, some colored lights in front of it. And then hopefully that will produce enough light um, to make the interest, uh, make the background a little bit less dull, but it wasn't ideal. And I've been using it for half a year now in this particular disposition, and I felt no, I, I need to level this up. I'm not, uh, I'm not on par with what people can get elsewhere. In term, and, and I'm just talking about the visual quality. But as you know, especially on social media, first impressions are really important. The way something looks can make people either, you know, uh, click away and, and try out other videos or they stick around. Of course, ultimately, the content is what matters most, but the, the visual aspect of it counts quite a bit too, especially if you want to distinguish yourself from the competition. And since I work in a very competitive field, there are tons and tons of Star Wars 
vloggers and anime experts out there and Lego vloggers, uh, I feel like I, this is something I cannot uh, disregard. So, I got the zoomies and uh, earlier this week, I just started to think, well, what if I change this completely? What if... And, I, and usually what I do is I stand in the middle of the room and I look around and I try to visualize alternative setups. And and then usually, usually after a while, it, it's a bit like a, like a mental puzzle. And sometimes it takes me like a day and a half or two days and then all of a sudden I get, the, it clicks. And I start to form this mental image of, well, what if I completely change the way I have uh, configured my, my furniture? What if I move the bookcases to the other side of the room? What if I put my desk in a pen, per, instead of putting it opposite of the bookshelves, which creates a very flat background? What if I create a setup where I am able to film in a certain angle? And there is, uh, you look, you're looking more at a kind of a curve or, a, or a, a corner of the room. That makes it much more interesting to look at and gives it more depth as well. So, and then I, I take out my, uh, my, my uh, tape measure and I start measuring up my bookshelves and cases and chairs and, and desk. And I'm like, oh yeah, this may actually fit. And what about this? And if I put the desk there, is that going to be enough space? And then all of a sudden, uh, it just clicks. And that's where I have to make a decision. Because I know that if I get the zoomies and I start moving stuff around... Oh, wow, the rain is intensifying here. Whoops. Uh, this is actually what I saw on the radar before I went out. I saw that there was this huge spike in uh, in rain and I think this I'm in the middle of it right now so anyway um, the, the the consequences of st if I start to move stuff around it means that my that particular room will become a mess because I'm very good at neatly organizing stuff but I don't always have time to um, to purge uh, especially electronics. Uh, if you have old gear, equipment, uh, cables, and you know what I'm talking about. You have these drawers and they're full of, of old cables that you've been stockpiling and you've replaced a lot of them because they, either they were too, too short or too, too, too long or maybe the, the cable itself got outdated and... Your old USB cables were now gradually getting replaced by USB-C. And so there's always kind of this intermediate phase. Before something is completely useless, you just put it in a drawer and then you forget about it. Well, I have multiple drawers completely filled to the brim with old electronics. So it's not just cables, it's also LED lights. Uh, like I had smart lights before I got the Philips Hue ones. I had a, a, like a Chinese knockoff. And, you know, they still work. So I don't want to throw them away. But on the other hand, I, they don't really work with my home automation system anymore. So, you know, let's just keep them. You never know when you need them. And the same is true for cables. You just leave them. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> I'm lowering the umbrella a little bit so the radius of the umbrella becomes a slightly bigger because there's a lot of rain falling now. Um, I'm in the woods, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and I'm all alone. Usually it's, it's crowded here, but uh, not, not at this time, not in this weather. I think most people will just tell their dogs, hey, we'll walk in an hour or so when this rain is over. I don't know if dogs actually mind if they're walking in the rain. I know that cats don't really like to get wet. They'll curl up in a corner. But dogs, I don't know. Most, most dogs that I know love water and uh, being out in the open. All right. Let me take this path to the right. And then we'll just circle around this open patch in the woods. So, um, the, uh, the, the problem is I have cables, but I also have older recording equipment, lots of cameras. And I can't throw the cameras away, even though I don't use them anymore, because uh, the, the footage that I recorded on them can only be played on those cameras. And I, I've kept all that just in case I will have some time to sit down and digitize everything. I have entire um, boxes, or actually an entire closet that is filled with boxes with photos. And of course nowadays nobody takes regular photos anymore or prints them anymore. Uh, but I... I come from a, an era, an age where you, you, that was the only way in which you could look at photos is to print them out and then um, the best ones you would put in an album that you would maybe every once in a while um, look at. But then you would have all these other photos and you didn't want to throw them away because there was no way to back it up. And so I would store them in shoeboxes. And I have so many of those shoeboxes full of photos. And I don't want to throw them away because it's, I feel like oh, it's part of my life and my, sto my life story. And if I throw them away, I can never get them back. And so a lot of my possessions <laughs> are all archival in nature. And, uh, or maybe they're tools that enable me to access those to access those archives. The thing is, once I start moving around furniture, a lot of these, these, uh, these bookcases have to be emptied. And then I've got other uh, storage uh, solutions from Ikea that they have, for instance, like four drawers and they're filled with photos. So I can't move that piece of furniture without taking out all that heavy stuff and then I have to store it somewhere. So I knew when I was on the verge of making the changes to my studio that it would create quite a bit of a mess and it would take probably a week or so to get everything reorganized in, uh, in, in the new location or in the new disposition. But... I felt that this, I have to do it now. I have this mental image. Um, I, I really want to do this. It's probably also because 
this this was a weird week. Was a lot of stuff happened that was not part of my day-to-day routine. I also still had to um, take it easy when it comes to running. And so I think that I have that in common with some of those house cats that get the zoomies. Since I only went running once this past week, I had all this pent-up energy that I normally can, can easily get rid of when I'm running or even when I'm podcasting like right now. The fact that I'm only now recording the walk has to do with the same issue that uh, plagues my, my running uh, plans. It's, it's my feet hurt quite a bit. And so I can't really uh, walk every day. And, and so I've, I've kind of trying to take it easy this week. So I had a lot of energy <laughs> because my body is used to a lot of running and a lot of walking. And so maybe that also came into play in this case of the zoomies where I just wanted to move around furniture. Anyway, I, I was convinced this, this is going to be so much better. And made a plan for uh, to um, create almost like a corner uh, with the book bookcases. So to put one of the th- four bookcases in a 45 degree angle. So that you get this kind of L-shaped configuration. I have only... <laughs> This is another downside of the house in which I live, which is a wonderful rectory, but it was constructed in a in a different time, and I would I, I don't think we would build it like this. So all the doors are in the center of the of the wall. All the all the windows are all in a central position, which is so irritating if you want to put anything against the wall. If it, you know, like my I have two bedrooms and there's only one wall against which you can put a, a bed but it is a very unpleasant location for a bed it's almost like a um when i'm on a retreat in a monastery they'll have these tiny rooms and the bed is always alongside a, uh the wall next to the door and it just feels i don't know it feels like you're it's just a, like a temporary bedroom or a guest bedroom but Anyway, so the big studio room is the only room where I have two adjacent walls without doors and without windows. And so since I wanted to create a corner set, a corner background, that was the only way I could move my bookcases and create a bit of a, almost like a reading nook. Years ago, when I was still... um, presenting a a television program and uh, they wanted to experiment with Facebook I think at the time Um, we had or the the broadcasting company had built a small set in the rectory where I lived at the time this is three rectories ago uh, down the stairs there was this this small room that wasn't in use and so um, they hired a a set, uh, like a TV set builder. Where am I right now? I have no idea. Oh, how did I get here? I actually did run or did walk in a circle. I'm so surprised. I totally did not rec- recognize that, I, that I'm back where I came from. Uh, okay, well, let's, let's move this way. I'll just follow the dog. <laughs> 
think he's done playing. He's got a big red plastic ball in his mouth. But he looks around as if to say, I'm not done. But uh, the boss is done, clearly. <laughs> so anyway, um, the, the, the set builder had that same conundrum. He wanted to create something more than just a flat backdrop. And he said the best way to do this is to create a, a nook, a corner. And so um, it was a it was a huge uh, endeavor and very expensive because you know these guys are professionals and he custom made the whole set uh, and it, there were LED lights behind the the, the bookcases and he had um, professionally decorated everything or accessorized everything. I learned a lot, but. It felt like, wow, this is way above my pay grade. <laughs> but now I use that idea of how the set looked like and I recreated it with my own furniture. And actually, I have to say, it looks even better than the one that, that they built. Uh, because I like the colors better and it's, it looks more cozy. I don't know. It's just uh, I have better cameras than I had back then. So now I have cameras that are actually so fast, as they say. So the, the lenses have, are so sensitive that I can create a blurry background, even if I'm sitting not too far away from the backdrop, which at the time was a huge issue that everything was in focus. So despite the fact that we had that corner set, it still just looked a bit cheap. I don't know. Anyway... So I, I, I moved all those bookcases um, and then I still had on the other side of the room my working desk, my editing desk. And that takes up a lot of space. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, there is a massive ton of cable spaghetti behind the computer. And it, I, was, I was doing a tryout uh, uh, streaming from the the old position of my desk and then having the, the the other side of the room out of focus in the background. And it looked okay, but it still, I don't know, it, it didn't work. It felt too much, a, a, almost like a behind-the-scenes uh, uh, type of image. Plus, another downside is, since the bookshelves were now, or the bookcases were now where my... Um, gaming corner used to be I moved that one to the other side in, and, and I placed it opposite of the desk but the thing is with the desk and the desk chair uh, opposite of the TV there's just no relaxed way to sit there and play video games I tried it and I was like I'm sitting on this desk chair looking at a TV this is not relaxing <laughs> this is really I cannot do this for more than 10 minutes before my back starts to ache. So this morning, uh, I and usually this takes, it's like a mental puzzle. Uh, it, it, a good night's sleep, or well, I didn't have a good night's sleep, but a night's sleep can sometimes offer you like a new perspective and give you new ideas. So this morning, um, after a very broken night, I, I was so tired when I woke up. I realized it was because I've, I had uh, unwittingly uh, drank a cup of coffee in the afternoon. 
I think it was around four o'clock. I never drink coffee after, uh, let's say, 10 o'clock in the morning. And it, for caffeine to leave your body, it takes about 12 hours at least. And so, huh, since I had a cup of coffee, or maybe even two cups of coffee at four o'clock in the afternoon, when I wanted to go to bed, um, like half of the caffeine was still uh, doing its, its magic and kept me from sleeping. So anyway, woke up, broken, walked into the studio and, and I saw it. I'm just going to move the, the desk to the, to the corner where, where I put the bookshelves. And it's hard to describe the disposition, but you'll see it the next time I'll go live. Um, it all worked out really well. It all fits. It's a much better, uh, a much better combination of furniture than I had. Plus, I've got this nice, relaxing gaming corner back on the other side, which now looks very roomy because there's only a a, a nice, relaxing IKEA chair there and uh, and a TV on the other side against the wall. So. All of a sudden, the room feels a ton bigger, a lot bigger than it used to. The only thing that I did not uh, finish is I had to somehow hide, of course, all the cable spaghetti. Uh, and, and also, while I was working on reconnecting everything, I, I realized well, I, I tried to keep so much i still have that pc that is almost too old for for the, the what i use it for i i now use it as a backup station so i have a lot of old-fashioned hard drives like the not the ssds but the mechanical hard drives and and so i've been backing up all my video material i've been working on this for two months now and so my archives that go all the way back to i think 2009 I'm I'm organizing everything, making sure that I have a hard copy uh, on on one of those old hard drives, and I have a secondary hard copy on like small removable drives. And then the ne- the last step, once everything is well sorted out, uh, we're going to get a an online storage or an online backup solution. But in order to use that uh, in a in a like if you don't want that to become chaotic, then I'd, I'd better first make sure that I've got all my digital files neatly archived and, and labeled and everything. So, but that's the only reason that I still have that PC plus Valheim, which is a Viking game that I still play on the PC, and that's it. But it's still like one PC. Let me count the amount of cables. So you've got the 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 power cable that's one you've got a cable for the keyboard and for the mouse that's already three cables in total you've got the cable for the for the monitor that's four you've got a usb cable for uh what was it anyway five and then uh there is more oh yes of course a few cables for the uh, removable hard drive so i would say at least between 8 and 10 cables that were coming from just that one PC. Plus, it is a, a very bulky, big box. And so it's taking up place underneath the desk. And since now my, my desk is not against the wall, 
I just didn't want all that stuff. Because it, it feels... I don't know. Cable spaghetti just freaks me out. I love pasta. I love spaghetti. But I don't like cable spaghetti. Um, and so I, I decided, you know what? Why don't I just put that... I, I need to start to phase out that PC. Um, I, I just... I don't need it anymore. It's taking up a lot of space. It's consuming a ton of energy as well. My Mac is super energy efficient. It doesn't have a fan. It doesn't get hot. My PC, if you turn it on, even without doing anything, it, 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 it sounds like an airplane. <laughs> it's a, uh, the graphics card is old, and because it's so, so old, it, has a, a lot, it needs a lot of energy to run the games that I'm playing on it. So none of that is 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 uh is something I, I, I want to keep uh around. And so I had to it's it's kinda hard to to make that decision because I was so used to the situation, but I felt I need to disconnect this computer. And let's let's not put it in the new place anymore. And then from there on, I started to ask myself, well, what is in all these cupboards? What am I keeping in all these drawers, all those wires? Shouldn't I go through it and only keep what I truly need? And let's get rid of the rest. Now, that is even more daunting because there's always in the back of my mind, and I'm sure you recognize that, um, even if you are not like working with a lot of electronics, but think of a kitchen where you have your pans and your utensils and your kitchen machines and how many of us don't have these cupboards full of stuff that we barely use maybe once a year or once every two years like this i've got this bread machine and i loved making my own pizza dough and everything but if i use that thing like three times a year then it's a lot and it's a very bulky big machine um, and well, anyway, there's always in the back of my mind this, well, well, maybe one day I'll have time. Maybe one day I'll sit down and I'll just do this. But the thing is, life is finite. And it's hard sometimes to admit this. But it is, I've learned over time that the urge to archive and to keep what you have instead of letting go of it and uh, declutter your life that urge is so strong and it's not just um, when it comes to stuff that you have this can also be about unfulfilled dreams unfulfilled ideals Uh, maybe even uh, things that you that other people told you that you should do at one point in your life. And then some of us hang on to those unfulfilled dreams for most of their lives. Um, I'll give you an example. When I was still in seminary and I was in the Netherlands, I loved uh, what they call systematic theology or dogmatic theology so it's basically you think about the fundamental pillars of faith and how that relates to uh, 
biblical sciences and how it relates to philosophy. I love those big questions. You know, what, what do we know about angels? What do we know about truth and beauty and uh, the nature of God and metaphysics? And I felt that this, it had my interest. I was a very good learner. Um, I, I had already gotten a master's degree in philosophy and one in theology. So it felt like the natural course of my life that over time I would... Um, also acquire a doctorate in theology. And that's why at one point, after working for five years in a parish, I was sent to Rome to actually write a thesis and uh, get a doctorate in, in uh, dogmatic theology. But the thing is, that wasn't, wasn't even my first attempt. Before that, while I was still in my first parish, I had already asked for some time, um, like a, almost like a side uh, appointment to be working on a thesis in the Netherlands. And back then, they told me, well, uh, we have this Thomistic Institute. So uh, it's a, an institute within the, um, the theology department of the university where they study Thomas Aquinas, which is one of the most influential medieval theologians and um, it would be good if you would just work with uh, that institute and uh, uh, they have a program where they are working on various themes and just pick one of their themes and work on that so for two years I tried to get things going with that doctoral doctoral thesis the thing is I I just never felt that it was a match and one of the major reasons for that was that in order to uh, study Thomas Aquinas, you had to really be familiar with medieval Latin, which is very different from the type of Latin that I had learned in high school because I was uh, schooled in, in traditional, in classic Latin. Medieval Latin is, uh, is of course, um, 12 centuries old, uh, newer, and so it, 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 it has a lot of other quirks. And uh, there, there's also, especially in the works of Thomas Aquinas, you need to have quite a bit of, of uh, context of what, what was the linguistic field in which he was working. If he uses a certain term, where does he get that term from? So a whole semantic study was also necessary. And this institute was very good at that particular aspect of um, studying Thomas Aquinas. The thing is, I just wasn't into that. I like my languages, but I also like them to be alive. <laughs> I don't really care that much for studying classic languages. I, I mean, I, I, I liked Latin, but it never was my favorite language to study because you can never use it. You can't go on vacation to Rome and speak Latin. <laughs> they, they won't understand. And the, I, I had even more issues with Greek and Hebrew. So the fact that that whole study was so uh, focused on uh, a very um, academic focus on the also the context of, of Thomas Aquinas' work, that I just felt that like there's no way in the world that I can 
focus enough on this because I was also a parish priest, which was extremely challenging and everything was new and I didn't have a pastor to work with. So I was placed in a, a number of villages all by myself. So all that was already super, in, in, super difficult to uh, focus on. And then in addition to that, I, I was in this very foreign theological territory. So it just didn't work. And after about five years, I was so relieved that uh, I was able to go to Rome and I would study more contemporary uh, theological authors. And that's how I discovered ultimately in the same university something that changed the course of my life radically. And that was uh, this whole communication study that I, in the beginning, initially just started to... Um, I started to follow the courses because it was free and um, I did it almost like a hobby next to the, the, the doctoral thesis work. However, it was so much uh, what, I, what I felt I needed to do. It, it, it just clicked. Like, this is it. I, this is what I need to do. I asked my bishop, uh, can I focus on, on media and on communication instead of on this. Well, actually, I wanted to do both. I said, well, what if I can stay here a little bit longer? Like, instead of two years, I'll stay in Rome for three or four years, and, and I, I can do both. Uh, the communications study is two years, and in the meantime, I can still continue to work on my thesis, and then give me two more years to wrap things up, and then, you know, the best of both worlds. But they didn't agree with that. They wanted me back in two years, and so... I made the decision to focus on uh, on communications. And thankfully, otherwise I would never be able to do what I currently do. But it also meant that I had this second goal that was unfulfilled. And I knew, and that made it even harder, that it, it, I, I was at, at least uh, intellectually very much capable of, of writing a thesis. And I also felt that, well, I like the communication stuff, but back then, this is way before the dawn of podcasting, even though I felt that this is, this is my future, I didn't see it. I didn't, I didn't have a mental picture of what my life would look like, but I could imagine my life as a, at least a part-time teacher at a university or a researcher or whatever. I could totally see myself writing articles and, and books and uh, and, and teaching students. So for a long time, that whole project of well, I, I, I should do, I should, I should finish my doctorate. I should write a thesis, has stayed in the back of my mind. And um, of course, when once I came back very quickly, I started to build websites, and that was when my. Uh, my blog about the prequels, about the Star Wars prequels, went viral and I got tens of thousands of followers. That's where I felt, okay, I, now I understand why I needed to, uh, to do this. And then podcasting, oh, actually, the, the, the whole Star Wars thing, that was even before I went to Rome. But it continued after I came back and then the podcasting took off and I started SQPN with Greg and Jennifer and uh, and then a couple of years later, I started to work in television. 
So despite all that, suddenly getting way more concrete, specific than I ever thought it would be, uh, I still had this idea that, well, but it's, it, it feels too much like a hobby. I like this too much. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to be taken seriously unless I write that thesis. And so after a number of years, I, I approached a professor in um, patristic theology uh, because a lot of the modern theologians that I'd studied uh, used the, the, the church fathers as a source of inspiration. And so I figured, well, you know what? Maybe I can write something about uh, one of the church fathers that is good in, uh, in communication. And so I... I kind of made a, 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 a like a, an elevator pitch. What if I write a thesis on the crossroads between the communication sciences and theology? That way, it's more in line with what I'm currently doing in the in in the media, but it also connects to my other love, which is dogmatic theology. And uh, and so I started to read and make a plan on how I could write this maybe in my spare time. My, my good friend, uh, Father Michel, um, had done the same thing while he was working in the parish and developing his uh, catechesis series, uh, Tweeting with God. Uh, he was also writing every morning for about two or three hours um, a thesis on, the, on architecture and theology or architecture, liturgy, and theology. And, and he actually uh, uh, defended that thesis, and so he's a doctor in theology. And I felt like I was, that was so inspiring to see someone who's so productive, and I, I knew that I can do that too, I want that too, I need to do that. And so I started to try it out. And again, same situation as when I was trying to study Thomas Aquinas, I just couldn't connect. Um, also, probably because if you study church fathers, you cannot work with translations. You have to be able to read the original texts, and the original text of the, that particular church father um, was Greek. And I happen to not be very good at Greek. So, anyway, I, I tried for about a year and a half to get something on paper. And every time I felt like, oh, why can't I focus on this? I should be able to do this, come on. And I, I just couldn't let go of this idea that if I didn't write that thesis, if I didn't become a doctor in theology, I'd missed an essential part of, of my calling. And it is, this is, like an extreme form of holding on to, to an objective that may at one point in my life have been a, a, a feasible project had it not been for the circumstances, had it not been for other things that crossed my path like social communications in Rome. And I just felt like I have to do it all. And this is not just uh, of, uh, a phenomenon of uh, when it comes to my my study, uh, my academic aspirations, but I've noticed over the years that this is also something that plagues me when it comes to my media work. 
where these boxes that I mentioned earlier, uh, full of old mini discs, which contain the raw recordings, the raw audio recordings that I made for a show that uh, I called the Catholic Insider. So I basically would, what I do now with video on vacation, I would do it in audio form. So I would, every vacation I would just record uh, outings to churches and cathedrals and also uh, hikes in nature. And, and, and that was a, a fun podcast to make. And I have a really wonderful archive of, uh, of, of travels and discoveries uh, that is still very much um, pertinent because a lot of the places I visited are still there. It's, I'm, I wasn't reporting on the news except for the occasional papal conclave but otherwise a lot of that stuff is still if I would post it tomorrow um, you'd probably not be able to tell that, that that material is 15 years old but it is and so I, I, I held on to these mini discs because I felt well you know maybe one day I can sit down and I could do some real proper editing on this because at the time of course I was not very uh uh, experience when it comes to audio editing and I, I even though I don't have mini disc recorders or players anymore and the whole format is is gone uh, it's antiquated I still have uh, boxes full of mini discs and the same is true for digital tapes I had a digital video recorder and I was recording on digital tape uh, and, and that is mostly material from the first 10 years, I think, of my priesthood. A lot of it was, is also filmed in Italy and in interesting places. But this is way before I had the ability to edit uh, at home on my computer. So back then, um, an editing computer was, was very expensive. It would cost thousands of euros. And the software was uh, extremely complicated and prone to crashes and uh, oftentimes uh, editing was something that professionals would do. Um, and, and I dabbled with editing a little bit because I, I was taught the principles of editing in, in Rome. But it was a very um, intense, difficult process. So I held on to all those tapes and they're still... I came across them just the other day when I was clearing out the, the shelves and the, the cupboards and like, wow, I did not remember that I had so much material. It was also like I have these VHS tapes where my mom would uh, often record uh, my TV appearances. So... Um, especially in those early years of podcasting and when I first started to work for TV, I was often invited in talk shows and my mom would record those live shows so I could watch them back. And so I have all these VHS tapes of those interviews. Um, and I held on to them with that same idea that, well, maybe one day I'll just I'll sit down and I'm going to... I. I also have a, a video recorder, VHS recorder, that I didn't th throw away because of that. I need to digitize this stuff. 
the fact is, life is short. And I have already too many projects that I want to do. Uh, so I already have to pick and choose what I'm going to focus on. Let alone uh, having time to digitize all that material. And then even if I digitize it, thinking of all the photos, we're talking tens of thousands of photos. I digitize them. And then what? Like digitizing a photo is not just scanning it. You also have to label it. Uh, You have to sort it out. A lot of those photos require touching up. The same is true for the video. Uh, Those early digital recorders would record in a very low resolution. It's, I think, maybe a maximum of 640 times 320. So that is below DVD quality. DVD at the time was, was regarded as high definition. And the VHS tape... Uh, was was much worse. And so there are programs that you can use to to res up, as they call that, that footage, and you can do color correction, you can get rid of blemishes and uh, like shaky cameras. You can do an incredible amount of reparation. But I tried it out on some footage that I shot in in Scotland the other day, it takes forever. Because for every single clip, you have to determine um, what kind of algorithm works best to up-res it. Uh, it's filmed with a, an iPhone 4, a lot of that stuff. So the, the, the color is, is bad. The, the, the overall quality, those lenses were very small and tiny. And so a, a lot of this stuff is super grainy. And there are ways to to fix it. So I know, in theory, that I could make this better. But the thing is, it would take maybe four times the amount of time that it would take for me to um, just go back to to Scotland and refilm that material. That would take me a week. The quality would be a, a lot better. My storytelling ability has, of course, also increased tremendously. So instead of of wasting all that time and trying to repair that ancient footage why not let it go and it's so hard because I put my heart and soul into taking those pictures and filming that material and recording those uh, those sound seeing tours as they were called at the time but there is just not enough time that in a certain way that makes it so hard to admit that, even as, as I speak, I feel that something in me is resisting the conclusion, the inevitable conclusion, that that is a ship that has sailed. Just as at one point, after trying for the third time to write a thesis, I had to conclude that this is not in the cards anymore. This is not part of what God wants me to do. I can do it. That makes it so hard. But it's not just your ability. But it's also the, the, your lifespan. <laughs> there are so many other factors that come into play. And in your mind, it's very easy to come up with all, all these goals. And this is maybe why we overestimate the amount of time that we need for to realize all those goals and we have such a hard time 
sifting through all the clutter in our lives. It's because we underestimate that other than the opportunity, there also has to be the ability to realize it and the time to realize it and the energy. And is it the best use of your time and energy? Or have the circumstances changed so much that maybe God wants you to invest in something other than what you thought was what you had to do. And I, I feel that there's only one way through this. And it's, 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 not, it's not enough to just um, to reason uh, about this. So I, I know rationally that, of course, I, as, as, just as I have stopped uh, entertaining this idea that one day I should write uh, a, a thesis and I should become a doctor in theology... I think I should also stop holding on to all these other projects of restoring footage, digitizing stuff, uh, repairing broken equipment, because it's still good work. I, I know how to fix this, but no, maybe it's just better to just get rid of it. So it creates room for what you are actually supposed to do. Um, one more example is, of course, this whole process that I've shared with you a lot in these episodes of The Walk, is to try to determine what my focus is in my media work. Every time I sit down um, with my uh, advisory board and with Inge, and we talk about, so where are we right now? What were our goals for this year? And what have we been able to realize? Um, the conclusion is always we wanted too much and so this is never gonna happen this year so we need to focus we need to refocus let's let's think about this what is the most efficient way of using our resources and our time and that's hard because i have so many ideas that i know i can realize if i only had to do this i often see people super successful on youtube and I'm thinking, I could do better than that. Why am I not? Because it's just one of the 15 ideas that I'm working on. And for a lot of uh, the YouTubers, their channel is the only thing they do. And, and uh, many of them, especially the successful ones, have turned that into their day job. That's the only thing they can work on every week. Besides, of course, the, the day-to-day duties of their family life, raising kids and whatnot. But the only focus of their media work is, for instance, their Star Wars channel or their anime TikTok feed. I still feel like, well, but I could do this, I could do that. And um, one of the most difficult things in my life is every time to admit that I can't because uh, yes I can but no I can't because there's no time and you can't do everything so even though it's, it's all good it's all uh, fun to work on not choosing is actually resulting in, in uh, paralysis you don't do anything anymore or you do everything in a half-baked way which is not good either and so I feel that that whole process of can I truly let go of 
opportunities? Can I turn the page? Can I choose um, in a very intentional way what my focus is going to be without the fear that I am actually losing opportunities? It's much, much more important. Like in, the, in Dutch we have a saying, like it's better to have one bird in the hand than ten that fly around in the air. And I'm sure that in, in English there are equivalent uh, sayings. But it's better to do one or two things really well. You see how I'm already, like, negotiating with myself? I said, I wanted to say, there, it's better to do one thing really well and let go of the other nine ideas. And then I insert one or two things. Because I, I need to have some margin. I'm afraid to commit to one thing because I, I'm, I fear that it's not the right thing. But the whole gist of what I wanted to share with you today is there is grace in choosing and I feel that um, letting go of these projects and and being realistic about uh, how much time God has given you and to pick and choose of course you have to talk about that with other people you have to think about it but to really start moving stuff around until it is really realized uh, and you forget about the rest that is what I did with that room I knew that you know this is I'm not there yet this I know this can be better let's forget about all the rest <laughs> and I want to realize this and then I came across all that junk in my drawers realizing that if I if it takes me a week to rearrange my studio it will take a year or more to um, to sort out all this stuff that I never miss in my life, that I don't need for my day-to-day work. So I, I took the decision, well, you know what? I'm going to um, give myself uh, two more weeks until I go on vacation. And every day I'll, I'll spend one hour and I'll sift through everything I have and I'll make two piles, not three. One pile is no, I don't need this anymore in my life. Let's get rid of it. The second pile is going to be, yes, I still need this. And I want to hold on to this. Uh, and I need to have a good reason to put it on the yes list. And there's not going to be a pile with, well, someday maybe. Because I'm getting too old for that. And the someday maybe is probably just an, uh, a synonym for never. And acknowledging that and acting upon it is a very difficult thing. But I think it will ultimately result in freedom and room for what's truly important. That's what I wanted to share with you. I'm curious to hear your experiences in, uh, in these matters. And if you're a patron, of course, uh, you can always react to each episode of The Walk in the Discord forum of The Walk. The same is true for The Break. And if you are following me in another way, uh, I'm also on social media, so uh, feel free to, uh, to uh, reply me or uh, send me a message because um, maybe you have some tips on how to declutter and how to uh, let go of what you always thought you had to do one, one day, maybe, someday, which means never. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll talk soon. God bless.